So TSO and DSO had just not the needs, but the responsibility to cooperate in order to rethink the energy system. That's Viviana Vitu. She's been working in the power sector globally for the past 20 years. This is Net Zero, a podcast by the Florence School of Regulation about the energy transition and climate change. I am Joana Freitas, and in this series, I'm inviting myself into the minds of some truly insightful people with very different perspectives. We will be discussing what is happening across Europe, what are the challenges for utilities, what will be the benefits for the environment, and ultimately for citizens. Today, we are joined by Viviana Vito, Head of Market Studies and Strategic Analysis at NL Global Infrastructure and Networks, to discuss how electricity grids can go beyond transmission and distribution. Viviana, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks to you, Joanna. There is great talk these days about TSO-DSO coordination. Why do transmission and distribution grid operators need to cooperate more than in the past? And what are the main areas of that cooperation? I think that we have been talking about trends and energy transition for a while, and we need to achieve the environmental targets defined in the Paris agreements, the increases of volume for decentralized generation from renewable sources, electrification, pushing up demands, also with the new load coming from electric vehicle. All these trends are affecting the electricity sector but are not just more expected, they are facts. And they are also growing at fast pace. So TSO and DSO add just not the needs, but the responsibility to cooperate in order to rethink the energy system. Direct and profound impacts for the network grids make them both key players, and they are required to help transforming energy system through innovation and digitalization. They have different areas of cooperation, so for sure they need to share relevant information for close to real-time network planning. They need to utilize the available flexibilities uh, from both distribution and transmission network in the optimal way to provide secure, resilient and cost-effective system. So one of the elements of this coordination that you mentioned is uh, system management. What are the key elements for active system management and why is it important for enabling the energy transition? Sure, using system management could enhance this coordination. I think that uh, active system management is a key set of strategies and tools performed and used by DSO and TSO both for the cost and efficient and secure management of the system. It involves the use of uh, smart digital grids, operational planning, forecasting processes, and capacity to modulate in different time frame and distinct area, generation and demands. And this has to improve flexibility instruments and tackle the challenges for the system operation. There are key elements that could be parts of uh, deploying the system management, implementation of relevant technologies, standardization and interoperability, regulatory framework and market design that should come soon, and the new grid codes also needed to move from fit and forget and fit and manage. I think that it's important also to allow the management of a newly available flexibility on the system for the increasing needs of both TSO and DSO coordination. As ANL, we have 
performing several projects to understand on the fields how this could be implemented. We recently closed the Puya Active Network projects that has seen full implementation of advanced monitoring and control of the entire region on the distribution network, demonstrating the technical feasibility of the active system management. And also we are in place with the projects that will last long lasting for three years and a half. That is the coordinate project involving TSO and DSO in different countries, in particular in Spain, Sweden and Wales. Uh, you mentioned a decentralized system emerging. In this system where prosumers and other small scale consumer centers are directly connected to the distribution grid, this may increase the power of DSOs relatively to the TSOs. Is a real cooperation between TSOs and DSOs possible, or are they becoming competitors? By direct real-time interaction with end user, for sure DSO can accomplish needs for several purposes. Being a neutral system optimizer or a digital transition enabler, but there will be the needs for more strict cooperation with DSO. In any case, at the present, the future of the electricity system is still being ongoing to be determined for a different range of options on the table. In some cases, there may be differences of the option and multiple solutions to find the best approach on the future market model. This is more a case of differing options rather than competition. And ultimately, with the final objective to find the most cost-effective way to provide our customer, a new market player with an energy system that is secure, reliable, resilient, meeting future expectation is a common objective for both DSO and TSO. In Europe, we have some countries where there's only one main TSO and one main DSO, like Portugal, Spain and Italy, and other countries where there are multiple players, for example, like Germany. Do you believe this cooperation between transmission and distribution grid operators will be easier when there's only one player on each side or when there's multiple players? And why do you think that will be the case? Each region has its own different requirements and there could be different attitudes on the cooperation and also timing to reach a complete cooperation. But the challenges that are on the table are driven by trends such as urbanization or technological um, roads that are not correlated to the TSO, DSO player organization or governance. Uh, urban area, for example, will face some challenges much faster than the rural ones. So the interest of the entire system optimization will prevail, requesting for an agreement on which is the best approach and the differences of option. So there is no, let's say, time for delaying this cooperation due to the organization of both players. And any step ahead cannot be fast enough without a supportive regulatory framework. I think that the best way is to try these different approaches, testing on different networks, the outcome on experience in real-life implementation and regulatory sandbox concepts is a good approach that will help to promote the innovation and to enhance also this cooperation. Um, you were mentioning these experiments and you mentioned earlier also a uh, pilot where TSOs and DSOs are trying different um, 
aspects of this coordination, like demand-side responses and managing decentralized renewable generation. I think you mentioned Coordinate, but there's other projects going on in Europe as well. What are the key lessons that we are learning from these experiments? I think that for sure we learned that the technological part is quickly demonstrating the technical feasibility, for example, of the active network management. And for sure, technology should be implemented more and more to optimize the network operation and the system performance. We also learn, for example, that the uh, TSO-DSO coordination with the SmartNet projects uh, can be defined in the proper way, but we need to do more and to work more on how to define the market platform, how to select the coordination schemes, and eventually for different optionality in different way, and how to also test large-scale real-life functioning. If we move now on to uh, the role of DSOs in the the wider system, um, the Clean Energy Package determines the creation of a DSO entity with responsibilities similar to the ENSOE, which is the existing TSO entity at European level, what role do you see that this entity will play in the TSO-DSO coordination? The new EU DSO entity, together with the ENSO, that has a larger experience in terms of timing and relationship also with the Central European stakeholder, will play an important role to implement this cooperation and identifying the needs for the future system. Also, for example, being supporting on the definition of the regulation and proposal on the network codes. I think that um, the entity will cover a wide range of tasks. For sure, the elaboration and suggestion for the codes, the network codes, Um, deploying also demand response models, digitalization for the distribution network VK and essential to be uh, fostered by the entity, and integration on the renewable in the distribution grids uh, will be one of the main tasks of this entity. We talk now a little bit about changes in the value chain. So in the early 2000s, the unbundling laws in Europe created TSOs and DSOs from vertically integrated utilities. We are now moving towards small-scale decentralized generation, EV integration, and also the need for greater asset visibility from transmission system operators. How do you see the future of synergies on the value chain? The solution to all this new future system will be very difficult to find. So we need to keep all the options open for the time being. There are these different concepts being tested, as I said before, the different projects on large scale, the smart and the coordinate, the Buya Active Network are examples, testing different coordination schemes and market design to facilitate the coordination in between TSO and DSO. But because we need to meet the customer expectation and to provide the best solution for them, also for the new customer, like the aggregator or the prosumer in different active behavior of the, on the grids, together with the highest quality of service and meeting the main and primary roles of the network operator, all this synergy along the value chain will define these new roles and will create different options and solutions. And now to finish our interview, I would like to ask you some rapid fire questions that you can answer with just one or two words or take a wild guess. 
So zero carbon Europe by 2050, myth or reality? I would define more like a vision and this key role played by the people inside and outside the company. The future of storage, batteries or power to gas? Most probably battery like expected to, to play a more important role. What year will see the last internal combustion engine vehicle sold in Europe? Last, I don't know, to be honest, but for sure in 2040, the internal combustion engine sales will be reduced, so more than 60%. What will the percentage of power generated by prosumers be in 2050? In Europe, probably 10%. The main challenge for utilities in the next decade is... Focusing this energy transition, getting it right and on time, with a lot of responsibility from the network grids, from connect to and, and forget to facilitate all this. And our final question, do you believe that the Paris Agreement goal of keeping the increase in global average temperature to well below two degrees above pre-industrial levels will be attained? And if yes, by what date? Technology is there. The signs of the competitiveness on renewables are indication that is coming. We need more done by policy and regulation, and we could set the date. Viviana, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tilda. Next time on Net Zero. From a quite centralized system, we go to a distributed system. And so that layer needs to be digitalized so that it becomes more efficient in interacting with the users of our infrastructure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Net Zero. If you like us, you can subscribe to our Florence School of Regulation podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and sign up to our newsletter. <laughs>